This is a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. Find us at k103.sc. Due to copyright, the music is shortened. Yes, good evening. Welcome to Ordinary Observations with Jack and Mark on K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. That's right. This week we're going to be talking about protest shithousery. Mm-hmm. What we mean by that is a bit of like wacky and creative protests, how people are protesting around the world. Some weird ones we found and just the fun ones. Yeah, not necessarily on the right side of history all the time. Oh no, there's definitely some... Odd individuals, yeah. but we're going to discuss them. But um, shithousery, what does that really mean? I found myself having a difficult time explaining to some friends I've been talking to today. Yeah, I think it works best when you use examples. Mm. It's Sh- for- shenanigans is a good shenanigans, yeah. synonym. Yeah, people uh, protesting and doing interesting stuff as they go along. Yeah, not just waving banners around on the street. but No, it's getting, getting really involved. There's some antics involved. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we were looking for in this episode. Hmm. Um. Apologies to start us off, though. Yeah, I think you need to apologize to the whole Caribbean. Yeah, uh, the Caribbean's a big geographical area as well. <laughs> apologize but, to every single one of them. Uh, yeah, well... With... Your lesson of introduction to whining on last mm. week's episode was... <laughs> yeah, so for those astute listeners out there, will remember mm. the last week we discussed bad onstage behavior. I tried my very best to explain the particularly culturally significant Caribbean dance of whining without offending too many people i think i did okay but at one point i spoke a little too fast and whilst trying to pronounce the word caribbean i said korean Mm. uh, implying that whining is a korean style of dance Uh, that's not what i intended to do so they got nothing to do with each other now yeah for those of you out here who thought briefly that trinidad and tobago was a proud korean nation uh, up there with North, South, Trinidad, and Tobago, Korea. Uh, it ain't. Uh, it's, it's not. So no. I apologize for that. Yeah. We also got some listenership stats in. Oh, yeah? 36% female listeners. That's great. Growing. Up the lady listenership. Yeah, the diversity coach worked. Uh, yeah, obviously, shout out to Linnea last week. Yeah. Uh, great to have her along. Great to see those numbers really, really boosting up. Yeah. Um, since her input. Plus 65s, though, also... Yeah, plus 65s on the rise We're as well. also making a small inroads, yeah. inroads there. The grannies so are happy. Keep sharing it around the retirement village. Yep. Mm. Absolute travesty of the UK listeners, though. Oh, Apparently, they all hate me. This is a real embarrassment. Yeah, man. man. Apparently, the news hasn't reached them yet. Mark, Exceptional podcast. You are from the UK. Yeah, yeah. I can't deny that. Your, I have. Your entire family... <laughs> well, most of them, yeah. ...lives in the UK. Yeah. And... Tragic to date, numbers. To date, we've released how many episodes? Well, this will be number 14. And we've got a total of 14 listens from the UK. Disgusting. That's tough, mate. Yeah. Uh, up New Zealand, we've got 194. So. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you guys do have the internet over there. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe just... And strong listeners. Maybe just lack of things to do at home, perhaps. Maybe we really strike a chord with the New Zealand you know, ethos, the New Zealand style of humour. Actual friends. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But thank you to all those listening, of yeah. course. Keep going. Um, any other, Edmund? Um, I think your boy, Joseph Fritz. Yep. Mm. Um, any more, Edmund? Yes. Uh, the Christmas Omnibus Part 1. Oh, yeah. That Speaking has... of listenership statistics. Yeah. Well, sorry. Part 2 has more than the Part 1, which... Kind of confused me. Yeah, confusing me too. Yeah. Who's listening to part two without listening to part one first? Yeah. 
two crazy people out there. Shout out Eden. General uh, Dog's body. Of K103. Mm. And uh, his shrimps. He's been mad into the shrimps at the moment. Yeah. His garlic shrimp recipe will bring world peace. I've, so I've been told. Yeah, so I've been told actually as yeah. well. Let's get that out. <laughs> That's all the admin. That's all the admin. And the shrimp talk. Yeah, the shrimp talk. I, th- I think we're done with That's the, enough, yeah. for this show. Yeah. So we'll kick things off with some tunage. Yeah. And then we'll go right into it. This one is Mami Umami and Middle with like the Euro symbol mm. as uh, as the E. It's called Vestra Nobel. K103 är en del av studentradion i Sverige. What a banger to start off Holy with there. Holy shit that went hard. Mami or mami, Miller, Vestra Nobel, oh. slaps harder than Eden's shrimp recipe. Fucking Damn. oath, mate. Oath. So, kicking us off, protest shithousery. What the fuck is going on in France? What the fuck is going on in France? Uh, shout out Poppy Time. Shout out Poppy Time. Yeah. Uh, then you song. Eden's cooler brother. Yeah. A yeah. younger, cooler brother and better at playing bass. Uh, their new song, Popax, goes hard as fuck. Who is the keyboard player, man? Fastest fingers in the EU, I reckon. Some say banned in the EU. Anyway. That, that would have meant nothing to almost anybody. But, no, but one you, one day, you'll, you know all, what, know who, you one know, day you'll all know who Poppy Time is. You know is. what you're listening to. Uh, right. France. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this one is a bit messy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty detail-heavy. It's so complicated. So we try our best. But, yeah. So if you've anything like us, you've been seeing a lot of videos and reels popping up from France at the moment where the farmers are going absolutely nuts. Mm. Mm. And so that's what sort of inspired us to, to make this show. That's why we chose this yeah, topic. We keep timely, it topical. Timely, yeah, we try to keep it topical. You know it's bad when blokes who have absolutely no interest uh, going into the cities actually go there with their tractors. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They don't want to be in the cities. They have a real reason to go. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, Mark, you've written here, shout out to the Irish rugby team for destroying France at the weekend. Big shout out. This show's making no sense whatsoever no. so far. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Now, a little background, please, mm. on what the farmers are actually angry about, perhaps. Perhaps that'd be a good place to start. So strap in, it's, it's going to take, you know, this is a little explanation here. There are many prongs to it. Yeah. Mm. So to start off with, European farmers have been working under increasingly demanding environmental policy over the last few years uh, since, you know, the EU and national governments around Europe try to implement laws and taxes to help them achieve their climate goals, climate ambitions. Unfortunately, as we are well aware of, uh, large herds of cattle produce a fair amount of greenhouse gas and farms, you know, usually require large diesel tractors and machinery to run. Yeah, it's pretty intensive stuff too. This is a this is the kind of thing that the governments want to cut back on, obviously. So, secondly, the war in Ukraine, uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, it became impossible for Ukrainian farmers to export their products through the Black Sea to African Asian markets, which was what they traditionally, sort of traditionally do. The EU, so like, yeah, so they needed to get their product out there somewhere. And if they couldn't export it to Africa or Asia or, you know, those kind of markets, then they'd be fucked the entirely. Ne- yeah, so the next stop was Europe. Yeah, so the EU dropped their regulations. Yeah. Usually there's lots of trade tariffs and stuff like that. But they dropped those to allow the Ukrainian farmers to sell their product into Europe. Yeah, they opened up a lifeline to the Ukrainian mm. farmers. However, it's fair to say the Ukrainian farming sector doesn't have quite the same environmental regulations or high labor costs. Yeah, or costs, yeah the costs involved are mm. way lower. Yeah, like gas costs and mm. stuff like that as well that Western Europe does. So their product is much cheaper. Mm-hmm. Mm. This means that when they did sell it into the European market, that the European farmers, or like Western European farmers, I guess I should be more specific, were sort of priced out a bit and they had to really cut into their Seve- profit margins. Severely undercut, mm. for, especially for like grains. Yeah. and uh, Super yeah. hard for them to stay competitive. 
so there's that. So they were already, you know, pretty angry about some stuff. So this is two, yeah, that's the second part. And then most recently, it sort of seems to be a handful of things that have really thrown farmers from a different places right over the edge. The Germans have announced a cut to diesel subsidies, which farmers had been getting, and then Germany was like, ah, no longer. Yeah, and the, like, the farmers were definitely relying on this, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Netherlands have introduced further emissions reductions requirements, something about uh, having to use 4% of arable land for non-productive purposes. Yeah, it, to regenerate the soil. Yeah, to like plant mm-hmm. trees and shit to you know capture more carbon, that kind of thing. Regenerate the soil, you're probably right. And France, farmers are angry about high levels of bureaucracy slowing all these decisions down and shit like that as well. Mm-hmm. So there are many free trade agreements that farmers don't like. But then in particular, one big proposed deal between the Mercosur bloc, which is uh, South American countries, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, Venezuela, and Bolivia, farmers seem most afraid of. Yeah, that was the same reason for the... Uh... As kind of the same reason as the Ukraine one, where it's undercutting the yeah. the farmers. A free in trade, a free trade deal between these two blocks would flood the European markets with cheap products, uh, once again that do not meet the same environmental standards. Yeah, notably beef in that one. Yeah, yeah. South American farmers are allowed to grow GMO crops, mm-hmm. and they're allowed to use growth promoting antibiotics on livestock. Both of these practices are banned within the EU, so it's unfair yeah which is a fair point hard to agree with that when you know they're being told to tighten up their carbon emissions whilst politicians are making plans to import beef from farms cut into the amazon rainforest yeah they're just like basically stripping down the amazon to make like mega yeah. beef farms mcdonald's and yeah the, yeah so yeah we get a feeling for what the farmers are angry about so how have they been protesting so the, yeah so it's like a four or five pronged approach basically yeah mm-hmm. So how have they actually been protesting? Well, around France, they've been blockading highways, which uh, you've probably seen these uh, these pictures and videos of tractors mm. lined up for hundreds of meters on highways. That's the moderate part. Yeah, as uh, <laughs> the farmers just having a barbecue, cooking up stuff. They, they turn off the tractors completely, block yeah. them up as tight as they can. Mm. They're not moving them. They look like they're having a good time doing that, to be fair. I mean, to be fair, if you're going to have a blockade protest where you're going to be hanging out for the same same place for a few days, um, having a tractor with a few things, such as barbecue, fridge, cold beers. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah, I mean, yeah, got a tractor, you can pull a trailer. Like you say, you yeah. bring the barbecue, bring a table, bring some chairs, bring some couches, yeah. hang out. They flipped a few tires over as well and burning a, a few s- things as well. Mm. But the more extreme versions, <laughs> basically... Tying into the shithousery. Yeah. The best parts, though, when they've been dumping actual animal shit outside government <laughs> buildings. I've seen quite a few videos on social media of just manure trucks blasting cow shit over the fences of, as like, the agricultural minister in France, his home got <laughs> coated <laughs> in cow shit. Yeah. And uh, loads of straw as well. And uh, I think I think one of the reasons, it's super hard to wash away. It yeah. definitely stinks yeah. once you've sprayed it. And uh, it costs loads to clean up, too. Oh, it would just be... Yeah. It's just a nightmare. Proper balls yeah. And you've probably also seen this video where these uh, farmers in their, their big overalls and their wellies go into McDonald's with a load of silage and just, like, throwing it around McDonald's. Yeah, so they roll in a big roll of silage, mm. rip it open, and then they're just coating it. <laughs> and you know what silage smells like? It's it's awful. Not particularly yeah. pretty. Yeah. Stinky. Yeah. Yeah, it just it leaves a very grim smell. But I really find it interesting that they use the cow shit because it's kind of like a, this is how our jobs look on a daily basis. Mm. And all you guys see is like the beef or like the the milk or whatever, you know? They, sure. They, uh, they love it. Oh. Gigi Allen would have loved this. Gigi Allen would be all over the shit sharing. So um, 
Some other farmers have blockaded the European Union headquarters in Brussels in the Parliament building. Mm. They're actually still there. You can watch the live stream on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I was watching the live stream for about an hour yesterday. Nothing was really going on. And they occasionally let off the odd firework yeah, and shouting. Yeah, they've got some burning tires in the but square. They're, they're really camped up there. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, as well, it's like, I would say generally, these guys don't live off a lot of money, you know. They have no worries with, like, just sitting around there for days and days and days. Mm. Yeah. And similar protests also have been happening in Germany and the Netherlands, but especially in Germany with farmers blockading some roads and causing havoc around Frankfurt Airport, which mm. is the country's biggest one. Yeah. I don't know in Germany if they've been actually spraying cow shit. Haven't seen that. I'm not sure. I spoke to a German friend of mine, Sarah, at work today, mm. and she was saying that, yeah, she thinks they they were throwing some shit around. Yeah, so. fair. Mm. Did you also see the farmers like laying down dirt and soil on the yeah. roads? <laughs> and then like <laughs> trying to like sow the seeds yeah, like, <laughs> on the highway. Turning it into a field. Yeah. <laughs> farmers in Germany have also blockaded the main highway into Berlin with tractors. The blockading with tractors is so smart because obviously the police have nothing that they can move the tractors with. Mm. It's a four or five, six ton vehicle. Yeah. And they're just stuck there. It can't tough move work. them at all. Mm. Been a lot of protesting in Germany of late. Yeah. Yeah, Schultz is not going to be he's stressed out. He's having a tough few weeks, but I mean, so is the new French uh, Prime Minister Gabriel Gabriel Attal. Yeah, he's thirty-four years, and he only started what three weeks ago or something. Is I mean, he's having a tough, tough few days, tough beginning to his job. Yeah. So the question is, what has been the outcome of these farming protests in France and the wider EU? For now, the food prices have risen a lot in France, especially, and there's been a real lack of like the local ingredients. Oh, really? Oh, because they're not farming. Right. <laughs> they're not doing anything. Right. Some stores, especially in smaller countries like Luxembourg, they're just empty. Okay. Because uh, they can't get access to them. Shit, didn't know. And uh, the French government has backtracked on their plans a bit, and it seems the farmers' unions have agreed to remove their blockades and go home for now. For now. Yeah. However, there's still no pension plan reform, which um, the farmers were also angry about. So this is like a sixth or seventh thing they were annoyed well, about. Right, because that was the last thing that yeah. France was protesting about, right? Yeah, the yeah. Pension just last year. Mm. As well as this, the French government has promised 150 million euros in aid to livestock farmers in France. And uh, France's prime minister said that France would remain opposed to accepting the EU's Mercosur deal mm. with the South American bloc. So I guess that's something pretty big. Because especially when France or Germany says it, it usually ends up being true. <laughs> yeah. So that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jesus. Gabriel Attal, 34 years old. Rough start in the few weeks he's been in the yeah, job. Tough yeah. few days. Anyway, shout out Poppy Time. Shout out Poppy time. time one more time. Shout out Pierre, a good Frenchman. Oh, lovely Frenchman. He wouldn't throw shit anywhere. Fr- Pierre wouldn't be spraying shit or no. getting angry unless you don't pay your membership fee. True. For Gothenburg Rugby. Then yeah. yeah. Don't test him. Up the Simbers? Yeah, up this one more time. Up the Simbers. <laughs> All right. What a chaos episode. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a bit schizophrenic so far. <laughs> Should we calm down and, and listen to another tune? Yeah, one more tune. All right. Can you read that from here? No, I actually can't. That's Iman Bestis. Nice. <laughs> Lyssna på Bokkvartetten, en podd om böcker, läsning och allt däremellan. Med mig, Nora, Maja, Alexandra och Lisa. Du kan lyssna på vår podd på K103s hemsida, på Spotify eller Apple Podcaster. Vi släpper nya avsnitt varannan måndag. Another banger. That was bestest by Iman. Tell you what, though. The uh, baseline for that Bokkvartetten uh, yeah, jingle. Like that. Funky. That's a banger, too. <laughs> Who wrote that?
Uh, yes, this is Ordinary Observations with Jack and Mark. We're discussing process shithousery. We've tried to kind of figure out what's going on in France as the whole book of issues. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to move on. Swedes, too gay to work. Swedes, too gay for work. Yeah. Uh, it's Calling seems. in gay for work. Yeah, uh, this one is a little bit of an urban legend, but there is truth to it. Mm. Sweden legalized homosexuality in 1944. But it was still considered a mental disorder by Socialstyrelsen, which is like the National Board of Health and Welfare kind of thing, until much later. So there's a the popular story on the internet seems to imply that people up and down the country were you know calling in sick to work, claiming they felt a little gay, yeah. and you Couldn't know coming to work, feel yeah, they, gay today, yeah, exactly, needed to take the day off. Mm. That's not quite the truth, but there was a few, there was a few people who did this. It wasn't quite so widespread, but certain members of the RFSL, which is like the Swedish Federation for Gay, Lesbian, Bi, Queer, and Trans Rights, they planned to protest outside the Socialstyrelsen's buildings in Stockholm. I read somewhere, I couldn't find this fact again, but I read somewhere that about 40 people showed up to this protest, and some of them had indeed called in sick, yeah. in inverted commas, for work because they were gay. Mm-hmm. In fact, at least one woman from Smallland, they kept specifying this everywhere i read this article Says smallland well, they were like this woman was from smallland it, shout out smallland it seemed really important that they mentioned she was from smallland <laughs> but she was one of these people who had called in sick from work mm. uh claiming that she was you know too gay to come to work that day and she actually got the hook penning the the insurance money for being sick from for shakening's cousin so yeah fair play <laughs> <laughs> Fucking good show for that. so this was in 1979 evidently when they showed up to Socialstyrelsen, or whichever particular yeah, building office it was yeah, at that point, yeah. There was a newly appointed director of that national board, came out and sat with the protesters basically and had a conversation and agreed with them that, yeah, fair enough, the classification of homosexuality being, you know, a, a mental disorder was probably a bit outdated, needed to change. Yeah. So in, sort that out. Yeah, so just a couple months later in 1979, being gay was declassified as a mental disorder in Sweden. Which is, yeah, good story all around. Yeah, from their protest and their work. Yeah, calling in gay to work, yeah. calling, calling in sick. Now, uh, today, Sweden is considered the seventh best place in Europe to be gay. Malta's number one, and Azerbaijan is number 49, dead last. Yeah. Mm. Sucks to be in Azerbaijan. Oh? Yeah. yeah, even if you're not gay, it probably sucks to be in Azerbaijan. Indeed. Mm. I don't want any listeners from there. You know what? I said it. <laughs> I'm too gay for Azerbaijan. <laughs> Moving on. The Maori man who mooned Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. It's a beauty, beautiful story. Yeah, there's a lovely bit of alliteration there as well. Yeah. Now, it wouldn't be an episode of Ordinary Observations without a England-New Zealand collaboration. <laughs> this time with lifelong Maori traditions and rights activist Dan Mihaka and his protest when Prince Charles and Princess Diana visited New Zealand in 1983 as part of their six weeks tour of Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Did you see Lee Halfpenny perform the hacker? No. Uh, Crusaders monster game. Did he? Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anyway, sorry. Mm. Off topic Not sure how that game went, but don't need to know, to be honest with you. Anyway. Uh, So, there was already a lot of protests to the Royals on their tour, due to them being part of the Commonwealth. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't so fun. But no one seemed to have too much of an impact. Like, for example, there there was a picture of people handing Diana the Aboriginal flag in Australia, but she just kind of smiled and gave it back to them. Oh, okay. Uh, So, it was meant to cause, like, a chaos there. It, she just smiled it off and, you know, mm, did it, went down. about the royal procedures and, yeah. Played it down. Yeah, played it down. We can do another episode on Diana. Did she die naturally at all? <sighs> Ooh, I don't know. Ooh. 
However, she did die in France though. So, yeah. what are the French up to? We were poppy time at that time. Uh, hmm. mm. Never seen in the same room. Oh. Oh. wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Eden's uh, garlic, garlic shrimp, shrimp recipe. <laughs> Horrible food poisoning <laughs> sent her into the car. Oh dear. Um, Danmi Hacker definitely stole the spotlight by uh, performing the ritual act of a. I'm going to try say it. Fucker. Poor honey. Fuck a poor honey, probably. Fuck a poor honey. It, it, and yeah. uh, it's basically exposing your bare ass. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, you know, Scottish lifting up your kilt kind of thing. Right. And uh, it's meant to be like the worst insult you can do in Maori culture. And uh, yeah, as, so as, the, <laughs> as the royal like... It's pretty insulting in most cultures, yeah, I think. indeed, to see someone's bare ass. <laughs> and um, as the royals drove past to show his anger to the royal family as well as nicely summing up his attitude to authority, he whipped out his ass cheeks to them. <laughs> he also planned to do the same to Queen Elizabeth II and mm-hmm. Philip when they uh, did a tour of New Zealand three years later in 1986. Okay. The man went even crazier this time. He he basically drove around with a van with a painted Maori warrior showing his bare ass <laughs> on the side of the van and tried to join the Royal Motor Convoy in Porirua. <laughs> and so to drive like past them, you know, and show this giant painted guy on the side of the van. That's fucking classic. But the man. police just stopped him for dangerous driving and, well, probably endangerment of life or something like that. Oh. It wasn't the first incident he had been involved in when it comes to protests. And he's been protesting for Maori rights his entire life. Mm. And his work is actually the reason that Maori has, has to be used as an official language in the courts in New Zealand. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Because of this guy. Hmm. And even in his older age, we're talking like late 60s, 70s, he actually got sentenced to 28 days in prison for calling a judge an asshole in court. (laughs) (laughs) And he famously also never wore trousers ever. He said, that's for the white man. He doesn't want it. He only wore shorts. That's fair enough, too. It's also not wearing trousers does make it a little bit more convenient to... To, to get the moon out. Yeah. Yeah, or the uh, fuck up a horny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a certain level of irony of calling the judge an arsehole when, <laughs> when you've been in trouble for... When the world has seen his. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good story, he, though. Uh, yeah, he unfortunately died uh, last August, so oh, R.I.P. Okay. a legend. R.I.P. Yeah. Done me, Hucker. Can look him up. He's, he's, a, he's got a brilliant life. Keep the safe search on for that one. Um... Tune o'clock, mate. Song? Mm. Oh. $10 Cowboy Time. By Charlie Crockett. Du lyssnar just nu på en radiostation som är del av SRS, Studentradion i Sverige. Yes, you're listening to K103 Gothenburg Student Radio with Ordinary Observations. We are talking protest shithousery, protest shenanigans, protest antics. Yeah. Who are we up to, Mark? So, we said a bit earlier in the introduction, it wouldn't always be the right side of history. And Mm. this one is just a bit like, uh, just a bit embarrassing, to be honest. We can't all be on the right side of history Uh, all the time, Mark. Now, you all may remember... Luis Rubiales, he was the was the president <laughs> of the Spanish Football Federation. Quite a... After the Spanish football team beat the English ladies football team 1-0 in the 2023 Women's World Cup final, Luis was celebrating and congratulating the players on the field as he gifted them their medals when he kissed Jennifer Hermoso, one of the players, on the lips without consent. Mm-hmm. And in the following couple of weeks, Rubiales' reputation was ripped apart and pretty much everyone was demanding his resignation. And FIFA, at the start, gave him a temporary ban of 90 days. Yeah. They were yeah. sort of like, they gave him a temporary ban 
to kind of like appease, but it didn't work. Yeah, well, I think they were sort of planning for him to give it up himself. Yeah, yeah. Own up to it himself and go out by his own choice rather than just straight up sacking him. Now, in a desperate attempt to defend her son, Rubiales' mother, I'm going to say this in the most Spanish way possible. Please do. Ángeles Bejar locked herself in a church in southern Spain and declared a hunger strike for her son. (laughs) She says she won't stop until the authorities find a solution to the inhuman and bloody manhunt that they are conducting against my son with something he does not deserve. Did she call for the authorities to do something about this? Yeah. Like, well, like, well, like what authority what, do you have? What are the to, police going to do about it? To demand this as well. <laughs> the police are going to force FIFA to give him his job back. And it's also like, I don't know how to put this in a good way, but why do we care if his mum goes on a hunger strike? Yeah. He did the bad thing. Uh, he should just own up to it. Yeah. Step down from his position, apologize. Yeah, and yeah. try to move on. Yeah, but his his, <laughs> his mom... mom just escalated. It. <laughs> yeah. But again, his like mom in like the classic Southern European mom who uh, goes crazy. Even at the best of times, hunger striking is like, why do I give a shit? Uh, well, sometimes I it sometimes it can be for a good thing. Why do I care if not, you're hungry? But this also isn't a good cause. Like that they would. We be... made no promises that these protests would be funny for the right reasons. No, no yeah, that's okay. so like. Not this, everything can be funny for the this right is reason. Just embarrassing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you wonder how much he, or how much his mum told him beforehand. Like, if I was in trouble for whatever reason, and my mum was like, "I'm going on a hunger strike," I'd be like, "No, God, no, yeah, mum, yeah, please, 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 stop that. You really, stop that, yeah. yeah, you're just gonna make things worse. I'll fix it myself. Yeah, because yeah, it's just like <laughs> embarrassing. Your own mum like just, steps in. It's not like, oh yeah, my mum's going on a hunger strike. That that'll teach those bullies. Like getting getting bullied at school, and your mum comes in to the school. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna chain myself that, to the fence until you yeah, stop that. That's not the way to fix things. No. And, uh, yeah, so Miss Bahar claimed that she would remain in this church in southern Spain day and night, mm. indefinitely until justice was done right and her son was treated fairly. It's like, her son didn't do a good thing. <laughs> he should be treated unfairly. How long did she last in the church, Mark? Yeah, so <laughs> she was joined by her sister for this as well. <laughs> she and her sister stayed in the church overnight. <laughs> After even the priest had left. Evidently, Miss Bahar lasted about two days okay. in this church without food before she needed to be taken to the hospital after feeling tired and stressed out, according to the priest who runs that church. Mm. So she entered on the Monday night and was in hospital on Wednesday feeling hungry. Yeah. But I mean, she said by her own accord that she was going to stay until after the priest had left, right? <laughs> yeah. So how do we even know that she hasn't just been chomping Fe- down on the... Feasting ho- on the bodies of Christ. Yeah, the Holy Communion <laughs> yeah. wafers all night. Drinking the holy water. Oh, you shouldn't drink the holy water, uh, people. Well, it's... maybe that's why she ended up in hospital. Yeah, true. Yeah. She just got thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Dunked herself into the font and had yeah. a quick swig. <laughs> well, there's probably not much else to do, to be fair. Well, evidently, Rubiales was given a three-year ban by FIFA, and we suspect that his mum went back immediately to eating normal I, food. I think she's been eating and again. trying not to embarrass herself. Mm. Oh, Very well. odd. Yeah. Like, yeah. because that wouldn't be my first reaction if any family member had done something bad. I'd be like, well, look, do you maybe want to discuss why you did that thing? Yeah. Or? No. Hunger no. strike. No, hunger strike myself. Look, mate, <laughs> can't explain everything. No. Somebody who hasn't been on a hunger strike is a British man by the name of Mark Morell, otherwise known as Mr. Pothole. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's been campaigning for over a decade now against what he deems to be lazy councils and the bad engineering standards 
which have led to a pothole crisis all across the United Kingdom. Yeah, well, as our UK listeners, which aren't many of them... Yeah, actually, maybe this will boost that a little bit. They would know that UK roads suck Mm. and there are heaps of potholes. Yeah, evidently he's been using social media platforms to great effect uh, ever since his children taught him to do so. Mm. Forcing local councils who are responsible for the public roading to fix the holes by bringing great attention to them online. Into action. Mm -hmm. Mm. It all started over 10 years ago when he became increasingly worried about a dangerous pothole in the highway near his home in the beautiful town of Farting Ho. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) How was your town named Farting Ho? Uh, that's another issue. I'd be protesting that, to be yeah. fair. Please, please change the name, please. Anyway, so fighting United Kingdom councils for over 10 years about yeah. these poles. Representing Farting Ho. Yeah. But just last year, he teamed up with Pot Noodle, a very popular British instant noodle brand. Are you familiar, Mark? Yeah, man. These, yeah, not so nice. No? Very cheap. Yeah, shitty noodles. And the little plastic or uh, like polystyrene the, containers. The cups, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you pour boiling water and then let it sit for two minutes, you've got noodles. Sure. It's what you eat at the end of the month when you have no money. Sure, yeah. sure. So the plan mm. is to run a campaign uh, filling in potholes with instant noodles yep. to bring more attention to the blight that the pothole crisis is inflicting on roads across the great nation. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't really get how it links. Yeah, pot I'm not holes, sure. pot noodles. Uh, That's so cheap. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure this convincing me either. It's, all it's saying is money grab. Mm. He's gone for the sponsors. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Shannon Lennon-Smith uh, never trusts somebody who's a double N in two of their three names. Yeah. Feels a little suspicious Shannon to me. Lennon. Shannon Lennon. I don't like that. Yeah. Pot Noodles marketing manager, there you go, said, Brits know nothing fills a hole quite like a pot noodle. So, when the pothole crisis caught our attention, we wanted to raise awareness by pointing out the ridiculousness of the scale of the problem and support Mr. Pothole on his crusade to improve British roads. I hate it. Mm. They've used all the British buzzwords. They've gone for crusade straight away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll move on from that one. But you're right. It does sound like a very cheap way for a large corporation to capitalize on doing almost nothing at all. On what is essentially this guy bringing attention to it. Yeah. To a a worthy cause, for sure. Yeah, but they've donated nothing themselves except a handful of their very famously cheap noodles. (laughs) Right. They've gone for like five pounds worth yeah. of noodles. Like a few pots of noodles for them cost absolutely nothing at all. Mm. Mm. And they're like, all right, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, we'll get a good marketing campaign out of this. Yeah. Mr. Mister Pothole, fill get him a, in. Get a good picture of him eating the noodles, guys. Yeah, so I, I kind of feel Mr. Pothole's been taken for a bit of a ride here. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe they're paying him a lot, to be fair. I'm not sure. But uh, Pot Noodle contributes, again, just a handful of cheap noodles. And then they, you know, Mr. Pothole takes a few pictures sharing them on social media. And that's modern marketing, baby. Yeah, and then the, I don't know, problem's done in a week kind of thing. Mm. People move on. Yeah. Um, Having said all that, there is something vaguely joyous about seeing a 60-something bald British man in high-vis lying on a road beside a pothole full of noodles. Yeah. Mm? Future aspirations, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Again, really groundbreaking content we're covering this week. Yeah, we went from, you know, the depths of, like, EU subsidy laws mm. to um, pothole man in the UK. Yeah. Pot noodles, great. <laughs> it's all going downhill, mate. Yep. Think we need to break it up. Yeah. We'll try to get it back on track. Yeah. All right. This one's Elephant Mobs. I'm feeling quite all right. Must be a full moon popping tonight. You know, I've been the fool in the full moon light. And if it ain't full, it's because I had a bite. I grind every day like a circus monkey. Listener. Drum manners. 
magasin. Godnattssager för dig som vill ha en god natt. Din nya receptfria melatoninersättare som sänder klockan 21 varje torsdag på K103 eller när du vill på Spotify. Yes, it is K103, Ordinary Observations, Gunthrinberg Student Radio. Yes, you can find us on Spotify and on Instagram at Ordinary Observations. Make sure to follow us and send us suggestions for episodes if you have any. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Also, give us a little five-star thing on Spotify. Yeah, and you know what? Send it to your friends from those those obscure nations of the world. Yeah, like the United Kingdom. Trying to cover the whole world. Mm. Let the whole world hear us. Yep, right. Uh, protest shithousery. Yeah, yeah, so we've discussed the French. We've discussed Louise Rubiales' mother. Yep, the Maori man who mooned Prince Charles. And I wonder w- how he's feeling at the moment. Probably not great. No. Still scarred. Yeah. We have mm. also discussed a bit of the pothole man. And uh, Swedes being too gay to go to work. Yes. Right. It's it's that time. Yes, finally, because last time we didn't have enough time to go no. through the honorable mentions. Honorary mentions. Yeah. First up. Well, first up, Mr. Ryanair himself, Michael O'Leary. Mm. He uh, was uh, outside the EU Commission building in Brussels with a life-size cardboard cutout of Ursula von der Leyen, and uh, someone threw a cream pie at his face. <laughs> Is she the? <laughs> She's the president. Yeah. President of yeah. the EU. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was trying to make some dumb shit about yeah. the price of flights are being taxed or whatever mm. and then someone just like, like threw a cream pie right in his face <laughs> it was two people actually and then oh it's delicious thank yeah, you <laughs> they, and they, they yelled something in like a really thick like french accent or something like that yeah. and then he's like oh well done <laughs> as and then after it's like oh cream what, what am I, I love cream pie <laughs> <laughs> the journalist who threw a show at george bush Yes. Oh. Iconic shit. Yeah, that's a great moment yeah. in history, actually. Like, that's super cool. He said his only regret in life is that he only had two shoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else you got? Bill Gates also being <laughs> fucking launched a cream pie in yeah. his face. Hey, did- and you can see that he doesn't respond to how Michael Larry responded to it. No. He responds with death rays of well, eyes. He was panicking. Yeah. yeah he, got, he was scared. The moment he realized that when he comes into power he's gonna make us all eat ants and mm. stuff um, but what were they angry about because this was quite some time ago and they slept I don't a, even remember slept a pie and because some face. people have just been like pie in the face kind of thing for no reason too mm. yeah. I'm sure Microsoft have done some dodgy av- average things here mm. and there so he probably deserved it what else uh, we also got uh, just up oil they kind of annoy everyone I ruining think. everybody's day yeah uh, I mean I, I get the I get the idea but doing uh, it at the snooker oh that's, no, not, that's not bad for the environment, never is Never mind, then. <laughs> like the F1, for sure. I get that, but... Mm. Yeah. Uh, here's a good one for you, mate. Again, big caveat that not all these people were on the right side of history. Superhuman display of determination and racism. American Nazi Andrew Chappell ran all the way from Richmond, Virginia to the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C., uh, which is a distance of 110 miles or 177 kilometers for anybody listening. Just why make such a run, may you ask? Well, in protest of the growing civil rights movement, of course. Uh, This happened sometime in the late 50s or the early 60s, I guess. There's no date on the article. I think it was actually published in, like, the American Nazi magazine. That's fucked, man. Yeah. Because it's also, like, a crazy distance to run, just fueled by anger. But, of course, American Nazi magazine... uh, of course no other newspapers would publish this kind of thing because they're all run by the jewish cabal right you know the 
how the Jewish run the media everywhere and all that kind of bullshit. So only the Nazi magazines publishing the truth about this superhuman fate. Oh, so I think I, I, <laughs> we are on such a I, good. I, I'm track. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's fake. Is my point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But to be fair, 177 kilometers is a fucking long way to run. I don't believe it. It's yeah. too far. This guy was passionate about the oppression of minorities. Also, apparently, he'd been in a fight the night before and did it all with a broken hand, no less. Yeah, it's more bullshit. It's also like not. It's not an impressive thing if you've been in a fight. No. Like what a dickhead. Yeah. We're getting in a fight for. Yeah. What, am I supposed to be more impressed by this? But yeah, so that's that. The naked potholers in Canada. In Canada. Maybe mm-hmm. should, they should team up with Mr. Pothole himself. Oh, yeah. Because their, their uh, solution was to go on social media with, for, with it. Mm. But what they did is they made a calendar for the year of all their favorite potholes around Saskatchewan in Canada. Mm. And uh, we just uh, posed in them naked or semi-naked. And uh, it b- brought a lot of attention to the point did where they, they were like, please, we got to fill in these do, potholes. Do they make like a calendar? Yeah, yeah. A naked it's, calendar? It's, it's to sell it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like a fireman, sexy yeah. fireman. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But it's just like local Canadians in a pothole. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them really deep, so they have like like a little canoe. Yeah. But like they're naked in the canoe. Okay, I've yeah, seen yeah. this picture. Yeah. And uh, back to the EU and the farmers. Uh, the udder attacks. I like this one. When uh, milk prices dropped super quickly in the EU, EU farmers bought their cows to Brussels to protest and doused the police in milk from the cows, like just squirting it at <laughs> the police. Oh, that's so gross, man. Milk is like the shittiest thing to get on your clothes yeah, as well. Yeah, if it's a hot sunny day. Stinky. Doesn't take long for it to turn pretty gross. Yeah. Mm. British man ranting from pub roof after the price of a pint was raised by 20p. Yeah. John May would be proud. Yeah, he would. But I don't think that guy had any sort of cohesive argument. He nah, just, I think just more local drunk stands yeah, on pub Yeah, he roof. just showed up to the pub, realized they were charging him 20p more for a pint, <laughs> climbed onto the roof for some reason and but started yeah, shouting. You know, if you notice that the price goes up by 20p, that's around two Swedish crowns. How I'm, often you go into the pub? Me. No, no, this pr- guy pr- pretty how often, often, to be honest yeah, with but you. you also. <laughs> but if he's noticing the two crowns increase in price. Oh, I always impressive. notice that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at you, Elstug uh, and Tullen. Looking at you, Binspistor. I've noticed them increase by two kroner about seven or eight times since I've been living in Sweden. Oh. Mm. You want to finish off with the Swish trick? Oh, the Swish trick. That is a good one, actually. 2017, a few liberal organizations were trying to organize a protest of some description. I'm very vague on the details here. Yeah, fact-checking is not our strongest. Well, it was quite hard. This is in Swedish, too, so I was really struggling to make sense of it. But they were trying to protest against some ongoing military exercises. They put out their Swish number for people to send them money to help with organizational costs. I guess we should explain what Swish is for our multicultural and uh, international audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Swish is essentially a very simple Swedish way of sending money direct. It's a mobile banking platform linked to your bank account and your phone number. Yeah. And I can send any amount of money to anyone immediately. Wow. Depends, and it's immediate, depends how much money you got. I yeah, but it's immediately taken from my bank account, so it's yeah. not like PayPal. Anyway, it, yeah, yeah, it's too it's, much detail. It's an immediate uh, transfer, and all I need is your phone number to send you yeah. money. Charities in Sweden do this all the time mm. to get gifts and yeah, donations. Yeah. So that's what this organization were trying to do. They wanted to organize a protest against some ongoing military exercise, and they were trying to organize money to get people and stuff together. But obviously some people disagreed with that they believe that we should be doing this military exercise so the sneaky opponents of this protest sent transactions of or sent a delivery of one krona mm. now for regular people like you and me it's cost nothing at all to receive a swish 
But yeah. for an organization or a business, it costs two kroner to receive a swish. So mm. if I swish an organization one kroner and it costs, them, out two. it costs them two kroner to receive it, they're losing a kroner each time. Every single minute. time, yeah. Ah, so uh, unfortunately, this uh, organization ended up losing money uh, instead of gaining. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah, top quality shit house remake. That's our entire document. Yep, that's all we've got written down. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody wanted to know the recipe for the pumpkin soup that they threw at uh, Mona Lisa just recently. I think that was canned pumpkin soup. Was it canned? Okay. Because it's the only way to get it in, I guess. Ah, but how Because I'm sure they have metal detectors. So yeah. maybe it's in like a Ziploc what? bag or something just slopping around <laughs> in the handbag. <laughs> Tupperware container. <Yeah. laughs> like, it's got a just like, oh, this squishy bit on my arm. <laughs> it's not soup. Uh, pocket full of spaghetti or something uh. like that. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for joining us once again on another yes. Wednesday evening on Ordinary Observations. Thank you for listening. Send in your suggestions. Yep. We'll be keen to have them. Give us that rating on Spotify. Follow yeah. us on Instagram. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll go to our last tune for the evening, and we'll see you next week. This is Yard Act. We make hits. I'll let my friend live upstairs in the spare room for a minute. You've just heard a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. You'll find all our shows at k103.se. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Stay tuned.